Hello. Oh, thanks, Iona. Welcome to another baby present edition of Dad Pod. Uh, how are you, Charlie? <laughs> Hello, Osh. Yes, we both have uh, guest stars uh, in with us today. Um, we're doing this early morning. You had to bottle feed uh, to get Iona dressed, so... It's dad life, man. L-Y-F-E. Yeah, Audrey's got off to the dentist and um, I've got Wolfie strapped to my chest because as, as I've mentioned before, right now he's just anchor man. He just wants to be on you. He's not interested in any bassinets. He's not interested in any kind of bouncy thing. If he's on you, he's chill. So I've, I've got the baby on me. Well, I, th- I think we, uh, you and I, uh, although we're a month behind you in baby development, I think uh, uh, Iona has caught up to Wolfie in sleep habits because the last time we spoke, I was like, oh, no, she's doing real well <laughs> sleeping for like four or five hours at a time. But the last three nights, it is party time. Right. Every night has been party time. And I, I think what I did want to talk about a bit today is that, yeah, Wolfie was at it last night. And I, I'm, I, I'm just trying to sort of trace it back and I'm thinking, like, on my job as uh, a host of reality television shows, I sometimes see men whose behaviour is like, that's really kind of unacceptable. And then they give a bit <laughs> of a smile and our bachelorette goes, Aww, and it's all forgiven. <laughs> I wonder, Charlie, if that goes all the way back to, like, Wolfie being, you know, awake for three hours and asleep for 27 minutes and then awake again. The moment he's asleep, Audrey looks at him and goes... Daw. <laughs> or he smiles at her and she goes, and it's all done. It's all over. It's fine. And, I mean, it worked this morning. Like, Iona had a night where she got us up three or four times last night. And it, even when we could get her down, she was just, it's like, I, I've been saying to people, it's like sharing a room with an old man, constantly <laughs> grumbling and farting. <laughs> you know? And so we, we woke up at about six o'clock this morning because she was up again and we both looked at her and she gave us her first big ever full mouthed smile and we're like, oh, it's fine. we can't be mad at you. Yeah. I think that's their super weapon. They're like <laughs> Dr. Manhattan in Watchmen. They just do this thing and you go, oh. <laughs> and, yeah, and like an old man, she's toothless as well. <laughs> so she's been grumbling and fighting all night and then we get this big toothless smile. It's like, oh, it makes it all better. Oh, she's, been, she's been calling into TGB complaining about African gangs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, the sleeping part's been really, really tough this last couple of couple of weeks. I know that everybody talked about it and like, and I said, don't worry, I've, you know, I've done breakfast radio, I'll be fine. But it's kind of a twofold thing for me, Charlie, in that I can't do the feeding part. You know, I can get up and settle mm. him and I can get up and change him, and which actually has to happen quite a bit. Audrey's so blitzed by 3, 4 in the morning, she actually won't wake up. He'll be at full, like, Iron Maiden at Glastonbury level. Bruce Dickinson, <laughs> run down the hills, right? And she will be snoring, absolutely. Right. And, and, like, he's a foot from her head. He, she will not wake yeah. up. So, I'm, you know, I'll, I can get up and I'll change him and, you know, whatever, And but then I kind of have to wake her up and go, honey, honey. <laughs> and that I kind of struggle with that a bit in that I can't do the overnight stuff all by myself, like that I do need to wake her up a bit and I feel a bit kind of helpless that I can't do as much and then I mean I've had to go back to work so I'm you know I've got stuff early some days and I have to be like well I've kind of got to sleep hun Mm. and that's tough too 
because then you're like leaving yeah. her. I mean, we're sort of finding the same thing yeah. with the sleep issues and you do feel kind of guilty with not being able to actually do any of the feeding. But I actually found a great article online yeah. um, that maybe we can share on our Instagram. This is from Heart Home and Travel website, which is 15 tips for dads for this first six weeks of a newborn. And one of the things they talk about is how you share the settling and feeding duties. And it's just the little things you can do with, although you can't help with the feeding, just simple things like picking the baby up while your wife gets ready into the feeding chair or, yeah. you know, she settles herself in the bed doing the change before and after the feed. And in between that time, it's worth, you know, going back and getting your 45 minutes sleep or your half an hour sleep because there's no point in you sort of staying up just to lend moral support. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not really going to do anything. But there's little things you can do, uh, get your wife something to drink. Like Gemma and I have this, there's a slogan that goes around, which is, can you get my water on my phone? <laughs> so whenever like she's settled in the nursing chair, yeah. I always have to make sure that she's got like a, a phone for entertainment and, uh, and water for hydration and nearby. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. You do what you can. And yet I still kind of gnaw at that because I'm, you know, I want to fix things. I want to make things better. I want to take care of stuff, mm. you know, and that gnaws away at me, Charlie. It, it really does. Well, that's why I think if you can set yourself some actual achievable goals that have, uh, have a helping effect such as, you know, well, okay, Audrey, while you get ready, I will go change the nappy. I'll get the, you know, the nursing room set up. Yeah. That, that can actually help. And, there, and there's things that actually have a, a visible result. Yeah. I talk about my mental illness a bit and, I, you know, a, a way of, you know, this lack of control in my life, I try to get back by trying to fix things and trying to be good at stuff and try to help out mm. where I can and try to change a situation with my hands or feel in control of a situation. And I am powerless, Charlie, to do anything <laughs> about I cannot lactate. I cannot grow memory glands. I can't do the feeding part. It's really tough. That's why I think that article is so good because it actually gives you just small little achievable goals, which, sure, you won't uh, suddenly grow breasts and be able to <laughs> lactate overnight. But what you can do is create a, a comfortable space for your partner to feed in. What you can do is make sure that she's hydrated and has food and yeah. has entertainment at her fingertips. But probably the most important thing for both your mental health and sanity is that you get some sleep <laughs> so that, you know, when she's done with the feed, maybe you can, you know, get up and change the baby, let her get, you know, 15 minutes yeah. uh, head start on sleep while you settle. I, I mean... Gemma's been very good in that, very selfless in the sense that she is always saying to me, just go back to bed. Like, I, yeah. will, I will handle this. But it, she does appreciate that I can settle. And, you know, I don't have many things that come very naturally to me as a father, but the settling thing I, I'm pretty good at. Yeah. So last night, for instance, she was up, I think, three times. And so each time we would wake up together I would pick her up and go check her nappy, change it if it needed changing, and Jem would just take her time getting up, getting her head together, moving into the nursery, getting settled. I would hand her over. I would get, you know, fill her water bottle, get her phone, make sure once sure she's all good, then I'd go back to bed. 45 minutes later, I was up. She would hand her back to me. I would settle her again, put her down. Jem would get a head start on sleep. I would make sure she was the baby went out and then I jump into bed and then three hours later <laughs> we do the whole thing yeah, right. all over all over again. Yeah. But I know what you're talking about because I have the same sense of helplessness but I think that knowing that there is a role that I can serve and it does help out, like sure, it's not the bulk of the heavy lifting but it does help out, then it feels like there is a partnership going on here. 
Yeah. I did get we do have emails here quite a bit, Charlie, which which is really great. The email box is 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 kicking along. Askdadpod at gmail dot com. Which uh, is kind of misleading because we don't just want questions. We want no. anything that you have. We want advice. We want anecdotes. We want stories of parenthood from mums and dads. Shall I change the email address? What do you want to change the email address no, to? No, no, no. I'm happy to change <laughs> no, I'm happy to change the email address. No, no, no. Gmail no, no. will just make a million accounts. Uh, great one came in from Dom. Wanted to drop a quick email, uh, say how much I'm looking forward to more of the new podcast. In regards to some topics to cover, an important issue to look at would be dealing with anger and frustration, particularly from the mother's point of view and how we as dads best cope slash help guide our partners through this. I'm seven months away from my first. It's a hell of a ride. Uh, he's seven months in with my first. Sorry, I haven't slept. Sorry, baby, right. seven months old. Sorry. This has been really difficult. Issues we had, my wife is generally cool and calm, struggling with coping with frustration and tiredness, which has led to outbursts of anger, slamming doors, emotional breakdowns, etc. She's been to the doctor. She's given her the standard uh, DAS test, but there's no measure of anger and frustration there. Talking with parents in her mother's group turned out to be quite a common theme. I don't think I'm lifting the kimono too much to say that, you know, we definitely experience this as well. Uh, so if I I found that if I just took a breath and go, okay, so she's asked me to do this thing, which, you know, puts this thing in the cupboard away first when we never put that thing away, cupboard away first, put the other thing in first, I'll just wait a sec <laughs> and she might re- – oh, yeah, okay, there we go, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's actually a good rule, uh, a rule for life in general. I know, you know, talking to my therapist, one of the things we've worked on a lot is the idea of responding, not reacting. Yeah. Because – you know, there's actually a great book, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle is a really good book that sort of talks about there is this temptation when we sort of are feeling scared or assaulted or under pressure to, you know, react to defend ourselves, which is based on a whole history of, you know, what we think our identity is. But there is a way to get past that, which is to just treat everything on its merits. And you, you are not your history necessarily. You know, you are not a culmination of all the things that your insecurities and stuff. The thing that is happening in the moment is just the thing that's happening in the moment. And you respond to that. So it can be hard when you're both sleep deprived and hungry and, you know, low blood sugar and all that kind of stuff. But I think once you become more consciously aware of how you react in situations, not necessarily, you know, always in the domestic situation, but just life in general, I'm constantly now aware of, oh, that's funny. Like, that's how I react when that guy cut me off in traffic or that's Mm. how I react when my agent gives me bad news or that's how I react, you know, and I see that, oh, there is a way to kind of, you're not going to not feel these things, but you do have control over how you respond to them. Exactly. And I believe Eckhart, if you've listened to any of the audiobooks, uh, Eckhart Tolle would say, you don't have control over these things, but you do have control over how you respond to them. Yeah. I mean, Eckhart Tolle is also a fantastic way to go to sleep. Any of his audiobooks, if you're having it's trouble amazing. going to sleep at night, oh my God. Yeah. You know, I, I guess what I would say is that the experience in that I had with my wife when I was going through when I was quite ill and I was dealing with like really heavy OCD and real weird paranoia. She was able to see that and me as two separate things. So I guess try, Dom, do your best to see the anger, the frustration, the slamming doors as, no, that's not the woman that you love and married. That's, uh, you know, the tiredness, the frustration, the, the short temper and the woman that you love and, you know, the mother of your child is inside that. And probably doesn't like that feeling either. Yeah. So how can you be kind to her? 
And it sounds like, you know, you're doing a parents group and she's seeing a doctor and stuff. So, you you know, know that you're taking all the right steps as well. You know, I think yeah. the other thing about situations like this is sometimes you can feel like, you know, what am I doing wrong or what are we doing wrong? How come other f- parents seem to be fine? You know, you'll, you, everyone always has the Ned Flanders, the people across the fence who seem to have their shit together and it just compounds yeah. your feeling that some, for some reason you don't. But just rest assured that no one's got the shit together. We're all, we're all the Simpsons. <laughs> Charlie, we are obviously, you know, very new at the baby stuff, but luckily there's people in our lives that have had babies before us, and every now and again we do like to call some. Cam Knight, the great Australian comedian Cam Knight, I do believe, is in your, your phone book. Yes. I think we should – he's, he's got two little boys. We should get That's him on the right. phone. Yeah, let's give him a call. G'day, rookies. <laughs> oh, Cam. <laughs> Oh, I've I've seen I saw Cam Knight wonderfully. Uh, we were at some homemaker centre somewhere. Audrey and I were shopping for baby shit. Yeah, Cam was there, like in this like this vast kind of floor of like lighting and bedding and pillowcasery stores and things like that. There was no one around, but there was like some sort of coin operated big red car. Oh yeah, and as we're getting close to it, we see these these two human like chimpanzee physics just crawling all over it, just essentially demolishing it. Yeah. We're like this is amazing. As we get closer, I have. I have monkey kids. <laughs> <laughs> As we get closer, Cam Knight turns around and Audrey, we're about three days away from giving birth, and Audrey's like, hey, this will be you soon. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's great? You were there to actually buy stuff. I wasn't even there for any of the stores. The only reason I was there is for that big red car oh. and the, the indoor play gym because when it rains, there's nowhere to go. You'll learn this. And you need to go and wear them out because having kids is like having dogs that talk back. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, and unfortunately I can't leave my kids outside like I can with dogs without getting arrested. So I have to take them somewhere and they have these huge uh, indoor play centers in, in places exactly like where you saw me. I think you did mention that to me even before Gemma got pregnant. You you told me that that bit of advice. And so now yeah. anytime I go to a shopping center, there is part of me that scans it for indoor play centers. Like yeah. I know in Melbourne, Good. there's a DFO that has one of the best indoor play centers and that has never been relevant to my life at all until now. <laughs> Yes, that's great. Not even here for the tube socks. No. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for the hot tip too. Next time I'm in Melbourne, I'll check that out. You sort of spend your 20s. I don't know if you're like me, but particularly when you're in the arts, you sort. I used to just sort of walk around the city. (laughs) The arts. You know what I mean? When you're half the time unemployed. Yeah. I used to walk around the city sometimes just scoping places that I could live if things go that badly, right? <laughs> like, I was like, oh, yeah, I could sleep under that stairwell. But now <laughs> I'm just walking around, scoping out, looking for places with playgrounds. My favourite thing about that moment, that, that I, the, and there was a masterful stroke of dadding on Cam Knight's behalf, is it's one of those things where you put the coins in and the car just goes, rrr, rrr, didn't even put any coins in it. 
Oh. He had the kids kind of subdiffused into some kind of thing. It was like, oh, no, no, that's just what it is. Jedi mind trick. It doesn't move. Yeah. yeah. Get on it, kids. Yeah. My mum, I've talked about this on uh, on TOEFOP. My mum used to do a Jedi mind trick with me where, you know, she had a lot of kids to make breakfast for and so occasionally things would happen, like the toast would get burnt and she couldn't be bothered making more toast. So she just told me the burnt toast was chocolate. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and I'd eat it with, with extra enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, never mind the fact she's giving me carcinogens. <laughs> I think by the right. time you're the youngest of nine, she's like, just run, just, out, of, just yeah. run out of shit to give, Charlie. Yeah. Here you go. And how much – you were just wearing all of your siblings' clothes at that time. Mainly my older well, sister's like, clothes, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're just wearing dresses. <laughs> Pink Garfield pyjamas I've talked about in this show before. Oh, the Garfield, Garfield pyjamas. Oh, my God. Cam, um, your kids are how old is of this recording? They're five and three. Okay, two so boys. you are quite the future. They're two, two boys. Uh, they're quite the future yep. kids as, uh, afar from us. And I mm. don't know if you can remember back this far, but I need your help with something here. Audrey and I, we're kind of struggling with um, – we're still early days. We're still not even – we're barely – we're nine weeks today. Yeah. And there's been no solid REM cycle in about a week and a half and things are starting to fall apart at the seams. It's like Guantanamo Bay here with the sleep deprivation. For you or the kids? For her and me. Man, the only thing you can do is, I mean, if she's getting up overnight and feeding, don't get up because then you're both tired the next day. Like, you, Or you have to sort of stagger it. So if you get up, go and make her a cup of tea or something and then just go straight back to bed. Because if you're up just sort of fussing around, I mean, there's nothing for you to do. You're not lactating. Yeah. So go to sleep, mate. Don't coincide your exhaustion because oh. then nothing gets done and you're just wandering. But, but here's the thing, man. Like for the first year, maybe more, I reckon Belle and I both felt like we were just jet lagged the whole time. Yeah. We just, you just sort of, and you're just like, oh, well, this is how I operate now, I guess. And you just get used to that sleep deprivation. It's bizarre. It's the micro sleeps in the middle of the day, like, but the, the, I'm starting to forget things. And you know, I'm on a scooter. Yep. I'm, I'm worried about being out in traffic on my bloody scooter. Well, as right my now. problem is, yeah, don't I, do that. I'm not a napper. Like I quite, I find it hard to nap. Like once I'm awake, I'm awake. Oh, you will be, Charlie. <laughs> you will be. The nap is coming, son. It will come for you. So did you yeah. have did you have a nap routine? Because Jem's quite good at it, and she will just go in right. even half an hour, twenty minutes, whatever. But like the problem for me is I get in and I and I lie down, and then my brain kicks into overdrive. It's like when I'm about to go off to sleep. That's when my brain's like, oh, you've stopped moving around and trying to distract yourself. Here's everything that is wrong in your life. (laughs) So do you have any (laughs) techniques? Like do you put on a meditation tape or something like that? How would you nap or would you just collapse out of exhaustion? Well, for a while there, I was just sort of taking naps whenever I could. And like I was the same as you, mate. Like I was always just go, 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 and the brain's always firing. But then once the sort of kids came, I just found myself just taking naps. Man, I've, I've fallen asleep on the to- toilet, I don't know how many times, just sort of sitting there. Because, you know, we don't have much room in our apartment, so the bathroom just becomes your sanctuary. Yeah. So you just sort of – sometimes I didn't even need to go to the toilet. I was just sitting there <laughs> and just would have a little have a little snoozy snooze there. But, yeah, I was listening to meditation tapes for a while, but none of it was going in. I just needed to listen to somebody's voice. I got as far as allow your body to begin to relax. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And I was gone. Like that was it. Yeah. Now I sort of have been listening. I don't think this is good for my subconscious either. I I have been listening to Case File True Crimes, that Australian podcast. Yeah. And again, I don't get 
all the way through it. I sort of, because he's just got such a monotone voice, I just go to sleep. But it's going in. All mm. this horrific criminal detail is going into my brain. Subliminally programming you. Into. Yeah, it's like I've, I've been <laughs> yeah. watching, we've been watching a lot of TV, obviously, and we've been watching a lot of Succession. And now I've been going to sleep, dreaming of making like big deals in New York. <laughs> Stuff like that, firing my <laughs> misbegotten son. Yeah. That's Cam, uh, another uh, question I have for you. Uh, Osh, me and you, all big heavy metal fans, at what yeah. age is the right age to start laying on the metal? Straight away. I've got my kids indoctrinated <laughs> right into it already, mate. They, what did you start kids, with? I went all out. Like Ooh. I started uh, – my friend Dave gave me a couple of compilation CDs specifically for the boys and they had – some heavy hitters on there. I mean, stuff you would have heard of, like Slayer and Mastodon. But then there was some stuff on there, like there's a really full uh, power metal band called Silent Night, yeah. who sort of sound like Iron Maiden. And my kid, Archie, is convinced that the lead singer is a dragon. <laughs> um, yes. And, and I'm like, I'm totally all for that. I've, I'm, there's another band from Sweden called Sarg that I absolutely adore. And there's one song on there. He, he doesn't even know what the song's called. He just says what the guy says in the song, which is, I think the lyric is kill the sleep, but he says kill the flea because he thinks the flea is a monster. Uh, and so I'm just like, yeah, I, I got straight into it. It's funny, though, watching Archie's face. He goes off into another world. I've seen him sort of playing with his fingers while this music's playing, and I wonder what's going on. I feel like he's got magic going on between his hands, and he's it sort of takes him to this meditative state. Well, awesome. It is quite melodic metal. Like I think, you know. Yeah, it is. Particularly yeah. the stuff that Cam's talking about. I'm a, I'm a big power metal guy. I, I, if the, if yeah. you're, I love metal. I love it. But if you're not singing about a dragon or some sort of, you know, <laughs> some sort of sea ship sailing across a, a vast ocean to conquer something, I'm really not interested. I want hobgoblins and I want, and then just a lot of guitar solos. But the lyrics to metal songs, because I've even with Iona, Lyrics to metal songs make great lullabies. Oh, yes. If you just, like, change the yeah. tempo, slot down and sing it quite softly, yeah. they make really good lullabies. Well, there's that Rockabye Baby artist who's just crushing it by doing all these glockenspiel versions of, oh, yeah, of I've different heard songs. Those, yeah. So we had the Prince one, but yeah. I, I got the Iron Maiden one the other day. So we were doing some tummy time cam night, and it, we were definitely – they were going – Two, boom, ba -doom, ba -doom, minutes, ba -doom, ba -doom, midnight. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. I want that. I want that straight you know, away. You know what so I started good. singing Cam the other night to her? I said, when you're talking to yourself and no yes, one's around. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Love a bit of a strange. Uh, okay, Cam, that's thank excellent. you so much. And um, we may have to check in with you later, uh, later on uh, when our kids are a bit older. You can keep giving us advice. Uh, you're further down the trail than we are, so uh, uh, really appreciate yeah, you man. taking the time to talk to us. My pleasure, and thank you for organising it when I don't have my kids and not leaving at last minute like the first time you contacted <laughs> yeah. me. Stay <laughs> on, like the dead set rookie you are. Hey, man, you're a father of two, and you look after them most of the time. Can you drop everything to do this podcast? <laughs> no, duh. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, like I appreciate lesson. it. Good I like luck. I wish you all the best. You're the best in the business, Cam. Take care, man. <laughs> well, Charlie, we're almost at the end of another episode of Dad Pod, but it wouldn't be this show if we didn't tip a hat to uh, and indoctrinate another dad into the Dad Hall of Fame, mostly a, a pretend dad, a TV dad. Oh, we're going fictional this time. Great. Controversial choice last week with Charlemagne. I know you're very unhappy with my induction, so uh, yeah. you've got an opportunity now to square the ledger. <laughs> 
So we've got the Dad Pod Hall of Fame, and then just to the side, there's a slightly smaller annex, which is more of a broom closet, and in there, Charlie, you can put Charlemagne. You can put all your weird ones <laughs> off the side of my hall. My hall is big and beautiful. My hall okay. is lovely. There's an atrium. There's a sparrow that's found its way in and can't find its way out, and it's just kind yeah. of flying into the windows in my hall. But over yeah. in your little little hall with the yeah. darkness, I've got you a can Har- put your Charlemagne. I've, I've got a Harry Potter cupboard under the stairs for my, for yes. my weird dads. <laughs> Okay. This one I reckon is pride of place because he's amazing. This is coming from James who shot us an email, askdadpod at gmail.com. Greetings, gents. I'm not a dad, but for my money, the best dad on TV is Bandit from Bluey on ABC Kids. I can't explain it. I'm 50. I'm childless, but I learned so much from that show. Now go to bed. Ah, (laughs) Catchphrase is kicking in already, man. I love it. Um, Have you watched Bluey? No, I haven't. But he's oh. not the—he's not the only person to have suggested Bluey's dad, the dog. And Bluey's dad is a dog, right? They're all—they're blue healers. Uh, no, Ooh. seriously, man. Like I grew up in Queensland. Now I love Bluey. I, I watch it with my my little nephew, who's a, a year and a half old now, uh, up in Brisbane. I grew, I grew up in Brisbane, and the show is set in Brisbane. It's set in set in South Brisbane, so their house looks like the houses that I grew up in. The house looks like a Queenslander, and so because you know you, you can't be what you can't see. And growing up in Brisbane, I always felt really weird that all the TV I saw was about Sydney or Melbourne. And in the middle of summer, you know, we're watching the cricket in Melbourne, and, the, and it's a billion degrees in Sydney, and you know, people in Melbourne are wearing jumpers. I'm like, what country is this? And, and so we never, I never felt represented, you know? And so to have a cartoon that is, it looks like it's Brisbane. The kitchen looks like it's Brisbane. Anyway, so Bandit is Bluey's dad. Bandit is the dad of two daughters and uh, Bandit's wife is Chili. And um, I'm going to say Bandit is breaking the stereotype. I know we've talked about this a little bit and now I've got a bit of a problem with, uh, you know, that everybody loves Raymond kind of, Useless dad. dad or the, the Peppa Pig useless dad. Bandit has his shit together. Bandit's an archaeologist. Whoa. Bandit is a, he's great with wisdom. Bandit plays along. Bandit is always there with some a, a solid boundary to allow the kids to do what they need to do and then comes back and go, it's all right, Bluey. Like, Bandit is the shit. If he wasn't a dog and a cartoon, do you know the other great thing about Bandit? He's voiced by Dave McCormack from Custard. Oh, amazing. <laughs> so you're saying Bandit is not only the shit, but he will eat his own shit on occasion. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bandit's, Bandit's really good. Bandit's really, really got it happening. And I, I know that I'm not alone in my fandom of Bandit because he's really quite a legend. He's probably the greatest Australian dad going at the moment. But there's a, there's another uh, quite a famous fan of Bandit in uh, Australia's own Clementine Ford, Ooh. who uh, I found an article where she left a loving and, and glorious you know, tribute to Bandit, calling him the ultimate thirst trap. In fact, <laughs> yeah, Clementine <laughs> went to her mother's group and she asked a couple of mums in her group what they thought of Bandit. Specifically, I said, I'm writing an article about how Bandit is a thirst trap and I'm wondering what others thought. The responses were, for the most part, succinct and clear and probably best summed up by the thoughts of my friend Elizabeth. Open quote. Oh, hell yes, she wrote. Close quote. And you can quote me on that. <laughs> Amazing. Bandit the thirst trap. Dad pod salutes you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So I don't know if you can hear Wolfie there. He's just kind of 
grumbling away, but he's asleep on my, on my chest now. How's how's Ayana doing? Is she okay? Uh, she's been taken. She started to uh, kick up a fuss. Uh, her mother came in and swept her away. Let her know her dad's a bloody media professional. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no bandit. <laughs> I disagree. You're going to grow up to be a perfect bandit. Hopefully. Um, this has been great, Charlie. If anybody wants to get in touch, or please re- give your advice to us because we most definitely appreciate it. Askdadpod at gmail.com. And also, like, I think that's a great idea that if you have some suggestions for the Dad Hall of Fame, we'd love to hear it. You know, obviously there's going to be lots of dads that we don't know about. So if you've got any fictional yeah. or non-fictional dads that you think need to be inducted into the Dad Pod Hall of Fame, send us an email and let us know why. And, uh, yeah, we'll consider it. Maybe they'll go into the cupboard under the stairs. And truth be told, at, at, the, at this point, I've literally got a sign on my wall that says pants first, then shoes. So I'm kind of too tired to come up with anything. So I would really appreciate some content from the listeners. <laughs> All right, Charlie. It's been a great episode. Uh, what's the catchphrase? Go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>